There are certain emotions that I don't want to feel, not just because they are unpleasant, which they often are, but because they look bad. Getting discomfortable with hopelessness. For some reason related to my upbringing and culture, I've decided that it's just not okay to be seen feeling certain emotions. Kind of like a really ugly pair of jeans or some place that one shouldn't go. It's like, oh, I don't want to be caught dead feeling that emotion. And one of these emotions that I don't want to be caught dead feeling is one that I noticed coming up a lot throughout the pandemic. And that emotion is hopelessness. It's this heavy feeling in my body that seems to drag me down into the earth. And it also feels sort of like a... um, a straitjacket made of concrete. It says to me, there's nothing you can do to escape this feeling because there's no hope, there's no options, there's no strategies that will create meaning or pleasure. So it sort of feels like this pointless, trapped, depressive, prison within my own brain. And and deep inside that prison, there's like a part of me that wants to rage against it, that wants to kind of like scream and shout and smash something. But even that part feels like, nah, there's no point. Not only do I just not see anything that I can do to improve my life or enjoy myself or make sense of things or move forward in a productive way, but the part of me that wants to get angry about it, that wants to be upset, even that part sees no point in trying. That's kind of profound when you think about it. When your system decides that there's no point in getting angry even, no point in even trying to defend yourself because it's just hopeless. I'm sure this is something that many of you have experienced also throughout the pandemic. You know, there were long periods where we were asked to stay inside, to isolate, not to be around other people. And at first, I'm sure, like me, you experimented with Zoom and watching movies over FaceTime and, you know, all this sort of interesting novel early pandemic strategies to make the most of it. But then, you know, somewhere in 2021, in year two, all of those novel strategies just started to lose their appeal And I would just sit at home at night and be like, there's nothing. There's like, I can't think of anything to do right now that will feel good or that will meet my needs. I don't really want to talk on the phone again. I don't want to have another hour on Zoom. I don't really want to watch yet another movie or TV show. 
I don't want to eat another bag of chips. I don't want to go for another lonely, cold walk. I don't want to have another long bath. I don't want to go just directly and sort of sadly to bed. So I'm just sitting there in this hopeless paralysis, and it's it's soul-sucking. I just sort of like sink in to the couch and just want to kind of lie there and be despondent. And when that experience gets repeated enough, it really starts to get ingrained, this sense of hopelessness and meaninglessness. And then it seeps into other aspects of your life and of your day that that used to be fulfilling, like, oh yeah, I could uh, do another home exercise. But that kind of sinks into the swamp of this pervading hopelessness and is like, I don't know, what's the point in going to the gym and being healthy? No one's going to see me anyway. I'm not, I'm not like using these muscles to do what? Walk in circles in my house? And then you add on these other existential issues, like not just the endlessness of the pandemic, but also climate change and political unrest and systemic racism. And all of these issues start to kind of magnetize to this swamp of hopelessness and create this pervading sense that nothing is worth doing and nothing has any meaning. Like, going to work? What's the point? The world's going to end. Seeing friends? I don't know. What's the point? It's going to be depressing. Everyone's going to be secretly unhappy. This hopelessness is like mold in a basket of fruit. It kind of just spreads its little spores into everything it touches, taking, you know, parts of your day that used to be perfectly healthy and sapping them of of meaning and drive. And it really kind of ends, for me at least, in this depressive stupor where my house starts to get increasingly messy and dishes pile up and my to-do list gets longer and longer and there's just sort of like no avenues of joy that I can see and I just kind of want to sleep all the time. That's I just want to be in a stupor or or at least be distracted by something. And it is this prison, this prison of reality. Reality itself feels like a prison, and, and there's no point it feels like in thrashing against it or trying to challenge it. It just, it just is like, why? The hopelessness is so deeply ingrained that I can't bring up the energy. And then on top of all of that, this hopelessness is a pair of jeans that I don't want to be caught dead wearing. As a child, I seem to have adopted the belief that if we feel hopeless, it's our own fault. We haven't mentally got the strength to push against it. And it's sort of like my responsibility to always be optimistic and to always be trying and looking on the bright side, etc., etc., so it's it's very much like I have this expectation in my head that I am not a hopeless person. So to add insult to injury, when this hopelessness 
pervades, then there's this extra layer of shame that says, oh no, and now I'm not just feeling hopelessness, I'm one of those hopeless people. So I'm, I'm judging myself, and I'm imagining that others will judge me as well. So I'm, I'm also feeling pressured by my own system to hide my hopelessness, to put on a bright face and pretend like everything's fine and, you know, just give everybody a, an inauthentic smile. And then when I do that, I'm adding on yet another layer, the, the discomfort of inauthenticity, of feeling like I'm kind of lying, which, which actually I think is also akin to disconnection. Every time I inauthentically smile at a friend and say things are fine, I'm creating disconnection because my system knows that's not really true. And I just feel that much lonelier and further away from that person. And so even, even hope, hopelessness is even seeping into my sense of belonging and alienating me from other people, making me feel that much more hopeless. It's so insidious and circular. And I notice along with my hopelessness, there's sort of a trio of feelings that seem to go together. And that is helplessness and generally feeling pathetic. I think the pathetic part makes sense because I have so much judgment about hopelessness and helplessness. I definitely, helplessness is also an emotion I do not want to be seen wearing. It it seems so disempowering. And again, I blame myself. I shouldn't be helpless. I'm an adult and I'm AJ and I'm smart and I'm, I'm capable and I should not be seen wearing the feeling of helplessness. I'll be judged. I think the difference between hopelessness and helplessness is that hopelessness is sort of geared more towards reality itself. Like there's just, there's just nothing in reality for me anymore. Whereas helplessness is more of a socially oriented feeling. Like, literally, I'm not capable of doing what I need to do. It's it's not so much that there is nothing that can be done. It's that I'm not capable of doing it. So, hopelessness is like, there's nothing anyone can do. But helplessness is like, there's nothing I can do. I need other people. I need support. I, I, I need some bolstering, some, some enthusiasm, some ideas, some coaching. So they're, they're similar, but slightly different. And I feel a bit of both during the pandemic. I feel like there, there is no strategy that's going to make me feel better. And yet I also feel like just so desperate to be around people uh, because I've been so isolated throughout the pandemic that there's this helplessness that it's almost like, please, like, call me or invite me to things or come and talk to me or, you know, ask me out on a date, something like that. This sort of, like, helpless feeling. And even as I'm saying these words to you, I feel patheticness coming up. I have clearly adopted as a child this belief that asking people for things means I am weak and I am pathetic and I I have this strong expectation and pressure on myself to be completely self-sufficient. So asking for help in any way feels helpless, which feels bad and pathetic. And 
admitting that I feel no hope also feels bad and pathetic. So that's these these two feelings, hopelessness and helplessness, have really been coming together during the pandemic, and then they are just sort of naturally ensconced in patheticness. So I've been feeling this trio, hopeless, helpless, and pathetic. I finally realized that I wasn't doing myself any favors by hiding this and pretending it wasn't true, even though I have a lot of shame around the expectation that I shouldn't be hopeless and that I don't need anyone's help. When I don't meet that expectation, I go into shame. That, that partially fuels this notion of patheticness. But I know from my shame work that shaming myself is part of the problem. So I realized I had to try to cultivate some self-compassion about my hopeless, helpless patheticness. So I remember I went to a dinner party with a bunch of friends and I just sort of like slammed my hand down on the table and said, okay, I have an announcement to make. Throughout the pandemic and a lot recently, I have been feeling hopeless, helpless, and pathetic. And I've decided that I want to normalize that. I want to talk about it. I want to own it. I want to embrace it. I want to almost celebrate it. I want to be honest about it. And I want to see how other people are feeling. And I don't want any advice. I don't want any cheering up. I I don't want anything like that. That's basically already what I've been doing to shame myself for feeling these feelings. So please, I just... I'm going to be talking about this more, and I encourage you, if you can empathize, to let me know. And it was really interesting and helpful. A bunch of my friends could empathize, but not necessarily with all three. Like, I had a couple friends who were all in on hopelessness. They were like, yep, there's, (laughs) you know, this kind of cynicism. Everything is shit. The world is shit. Everything's terrible. Um... And we don't see any bright light at the end of the tunnel. But what was interesting was that they weren't really feeling helpless. And then on the other side, there were some friends that were feeling totally helpless. Like, I don't know what to do with myself. I can't cope. I don't don't have to take care of myself anymore. I've stopped cleaning and cooking. And like, my life is falling apart. But they weren't feeling hopelessness. So it was was really eye-opening. And... I think uh, I don't I don't know how many people wanted to empathize with feeling pathetic. Maybe that was something that I brought uniquely, but I'm sure there are some listeners out there who can relate to patheticness, feeling pathetic or or all three, hopeless, helpless and pathetic. So this was quite a pivotal moment in my journey into hopelessness. And I started journaling about it, exploring it, like sitting with the feeling, trying to make space for it rather than like, this is what's interesting about hopelessness. And it's very similar to shame. As soon as I start to feel the hopelessness, I'm rapidly trying to find a way to get rid of it, to fight it, to prove it wrong. No, 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 there is something that we can do to not feel hopeless. And it is uh, eat a bunch of chocolates. No, that's that's not a great strategy. But that's sort of what my brain is doing. But once I normalized it, then I could sit with it. I didn't need to think of a strategy to combat it. I could just breathe in 
slow down, make space for it, and then get curious about it. And what I started to discover is that hopelessness is an emotion that feels like a belief. It's this, as I said, it's this heavy kind of restricting feeling in my body. But every time it comes up, my brain interprets it as a sign that there really is no hope. And my brain believes that. And then through believing that, I start to reinforce the feeling. And this is where the circle of hopelessness starts to spiral out of control. So I think I think I want to break down what I think is happening here. I think that hopelessness is a sensation in our body. And probably when we are children and we feel that sensation, we use our brain to tell a story about what that sensation means. And what I'm describing now is based on affect theory. And affect theory describes an emotion as a combination of an affect, which is just the the feeling portion of an emotion, the, the pure sensation of it in our body. And that affect is combined with a cognitive component, which is basically just the story our brain tells itself about what that feeling in our body means. But I think what happens is that as a child, we start to tell ourselves some stories about what the emotion hopelessness means, and what we tell ourselves is that it means that there's no hope. And so as a child, that's kind of like us doing some sense-making. We're thinking, we're looking at our culture, we're looking at our family, we're looking at our experiences, we're looking at the feeling and how it arose, And that's the meaning, the sense-making that we're coming up with. Okay, so when I feel this feeling, it means there's no hope. There's nothing. There's nothing I can do. I'm trapped. But then, as we grow, I think something interesting happens to that story, which is that it gets wired in to our brain. Our brain is literally incomplete when we're born, and it is wiring itself to its experiences and what it is told. So our brain actually wires in the connection between this feeling and this interpretation that equals the emotion of hopelessness. And so it starts off as a kind of conscious cognitive uh, decision or belief, but then it goes beyond that and it becomes an embodied belief. So that means that every time the feeling arises, our brain automatically connects it to the belief that things are hopeless. My friend's therapist is always saying to him, what fires together is wired together, which is to say anything that you tend to experience in a pairing is probably literally connected neurologically in your brain. So I think my brain and many people's brains in their childhood created a wiring path between the feeling of hopelessness and the thought that things are hopeless. And now as an adult, when the feeling of hopelessness is triggered by various unconscious circumstances in my environment, the thought 
pops into my head immediately, automatically, without me even getting a chance to decide if it's true. And if I am not careful, and this is what I've been doing throughout the pandemic, I just believe the automatic thought that surfaces. So I feel this unpleasant feeling, and basically simultaneously, there's a thought, it's hopeless. And my modern adult prefrontal cortex just says, okay, I guess that's true. It doesn't question it. So I've been playing around with this model. And it's it's a little bit tricky because there can be kind of like these long, pervasive periods of hopelessness in which it's sort of impossible to tell whether it's a belief or it's a feeling because they're just sort of like cycling back and forth. But then sometimes I will kind of get out of that funk, do the dishes, clean my house, and start to feel good for a couple of weeks. And then hopelessness will come back. And what I've discovered is that when hopelessness comes back, it really does seem to start first as a feeling. And then I believe the feeling. And then I start thinking about that belief, which starts to create more of the feeling, which stimulates more of the belief, etc., etc. And that's where I get locked in this kind of hopeless mood. So instead of being just a feeling of hopelessness that passes because all feelings are temporary, I identify with it and believe it automatically and find myself caught in this loop, which makes this temporary feeling last for like weeks. And shame is very, very, very similar. Shame comes up in our body and our brain has an embodied belief from our childhood that says, oh, when I feel this feeling, it means I am something like different, bad, and alone. And then I identify with that embodied belief, and I believe it, and I act on it, and it starts to reinforce the feeling, and I get caught in a shame spiral. Or even if I don't get caught in a shame spiral, I'm left believing that it's true, that I'm different, bad, and alone, without realizing that that's not actually what I think, nor do I actually think things are hopeless. Those aren't actually my beliefs. Those are echoes from the past that just automatically happen when certain feelings get triggered. And if I can't notice them and see them for what they are, I just believe them. I'm just like, that's me. That's what I think right there. So it's very delicate and it requires a lot of self-awareness practice. And it requires a lot of like parts work awareness, because not only do you have to notice it, but you have to separate from it and say, oh, that's not my belief, which is really delicate. It's, it's actually quite uncomfortable when I first started practicing being skeptical of my own seeming thoughts and beliefs in order to determine that some of them weren't actually coming up in real time. They weren't actually my mature adult sense-making in the moment. They were these echoes. But it can be really scary to admit that what you thought was you is this echo from the past. There can be a lot of shame and embarrassment that comes up when you realize you've been living like that. So here's a really interesting example of how this manifested. 
Just last night, I was in a book club, and we're reading Brene Brown's new book, Atlas of the Heart. It's kind of like an emotional reference book or dictionary, and it just lists a ton of different emotions and gives you some insight into what they mean, and she does talk about hopelessness. And she says something really interesting. She, she says that hope is not an emotion, that hope is more of a belief space where we actually think that there are options and, and that goals and achievements and meaning and purpose and pleasantness are all actually available. That's a thought. But she notes that hopelessness is an emotion. So it's interesting, and it makes sense that I would confuse the feeling of hopelessness with a belief, because the other side of the hope coin actually is a belief. So what's really fascinating is that over the last couple of weeks, I've actually been feeling quite good. I think it's probably, you know, the, the honeymoon period of the new year. I've got, I've got new plans, and I've got new energy, and I just had a big holiday, which was so refreshing. So I've been feeling good. And I've been feeling really motivated and I I have all these goals, which is so different than how I was feeling for a lot of 2021, which was what's the point? It's all meaningless and hopeless. So I've been feeling good and I'm in this book club. We're talking about Brene Brown's definitions of hopelessness. And suddenly, as I'm thinking and talking about hopelessness, I feel a hit of hopelessness in my body. Because I sort of just like took my brain back to last year and I suddenly got flooded with hopelessness. And then I snapped out of it. And what's so fascinating is that for the two seconds that I was feeling hopelessness in my body, I believed it. So it literally was like pushing a button on and off. And right before I pushed the button, I felt totally motivated and hopeful. And then I pushed the button. And for two seconds, I felt, nope, everything is hopeless. And I believed it. This is what's so fascinating. And then I took my hand off the button and I didn't believe it anymore. Suddenly things were hopeful again. And I was just floored because it, from from my mind, proved my theory so vividly that when hopelessness comes online as a feeling in my body, The embodied belief that it's true, that things actually are hopeless, is basically simultaneously switched on. And I haven't built up the self-awareness yet to see it for what it is, which is an echo. So it just like immediately, hopelessness came online and I identified with it and believed it. And then as soon as it went away, I identified with and believed the feeling I currently have, which is hope. Basically, what I'm saying is, when hopelessness comes online, I now see that it's an illusion. I see that there are these old embodied beliefs that come up that say there's no hope. That's not actually what I'm thinking in the moment. That's what I thought in the past. And this feeling doesn't actually connect with the truth of is there hope. The feeling doesn't know. It just gets triggered under certain circumstances where I feel a lot of monotony or there's like a sense of not having a lot of clarity about the future, things like that. So I am now on this mission to normalize my hopelessness, 
This is basically what I've already done with shame. When shame comes online, I have gotten so used to it, so conscious of it, that it it comes up and I still hear the message right away, oh, I suck. But I almost immediately now see, oh, shame came online and with it was the embodied belief that I'm different, bad, and alone. Neither of those things are true. I'm just going to sit here with the somatic experience of shame, the discomfort of it, breathe into it, give myself a lot of self-compassion, and within about 30 seconds, it is gone. And I'm not going to believe it. I'm not going to identify the thoughts that come up as me, and I'm not going to linger in them either. I'm going to keep my focus on the body so I don't get caught up in that circle of thinking the shame thoughts, which stimulate more shame feelings, which stimulate more shame thoughts. I just keep my attention on the feeling because that is the thing that is temporary and passes. So I want to do the exact same thing now with hopelessness. I want to really lean into it and explore it and talk about it and and bring it up and feel it in my body and notice the automatic impulse to align with those belief patterns from the past. And I, I feel very optimistic about the fact that if I can do it with shame, I can do it with hopelessness. So I am going to, this, this is sort of what I envisioned for myself. Hopelessness will come up and I'll immediately say, oh, I'm in hopelessness. And there is the belief, there it is right there, that things are hopeless. Neither of those things are true, but I am going to just sit with the feeling and give myself a lot of self-compassion. I'm going to touch my heart. I'm going to be gentle with myself and I'm going to let this temporary feeling go. And then if any of that cognitive portion lingers, that there's no hope, I'm going to use the period after the emotion has passed where I have a lot more cognitive power, a lot more logic at hand because I'm not in the emotion anymore. That's the moment where it's just so much easier to look at the story that there's no hope and say, that just can't be true. What tends to happen with my hopelessness and hope cycle, what I used to do was I would get hopeful for periods of time like I am right now, and I would come up with all these plans. Okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do this. And currently, in my hopeful state, I have decided that this year I want to design and run a six or eight week online class on shame. So that's something that I feel you know, driven and motivated and hopeful about right now because my emotional state is high. But what tends to happen in the past is that once I go into my hopelessness funk, I look at all of the plans and I'm like, oh, that's all bullshit. Yeah, no, I was deluded then. I was confused. I thought the world was naively this great hopeful place. But now I see the truth that that would never work. And even if it did, my brain comes up with all of these really cutting arguments for why I shouldn't do it. 
oh, you want to do a shame class? That's so commercial of you. It's so capitalist. Like, who do you think you are? And and also, the class is going to go badly. Or actually, no one's going to sign up for it. And even if they do, they're not going to learn anything. Or you're going to be wrong. You're going to look like a fool. Or, or this is a really good one. You're going to hurt someone. Your strategies around shame are going to hurt someone. So some of this is, you know, useful things for me to try to avoid. But really, all that's happening is that my hopeless emotion and my believing and identifying with the embodied belief that things actually are hopeless are experiencing some cognitive dissonance between the hope and goals that I had last week. So to get rid of that cognitive dissonance, to create unity, my whole system is trying to convince me to not believe that those strategies were good ones. And I think it's probably also doing this for safety. It's saying, if we're mired in just sleeping and hopelessness all day, yeah, it's not fun, but at least we're not foolishly trying to do things that will never work out. So I think, you know, my system has my safety in mind, which is nice, but it's using every bit of my cognitive power to come up with these damning and really convincing reasons why I was wrong and shouldn't do the things that I was just motivated to do right before somehow I pushed the hopelessness button. I think in the past, I believed hopelessness was more real than hopefulness. I really identified with hopelessness and I thought it was true. But now that I see how the belief behind the feeling is an echo from the past. It's not actually what I believe. I think it has evened out hope and hopelessness a bit more. And now I see them both as equally subjective. But now that they're equal, I'm like, well, duh, of course I'm going to lean into the one that feels better and is motivating and, and is useful. And the only reason I was really leaning more into hopelessness was that I thought it was true. I thought it was the the more real of the two. So now I've equalized them, and in equality, it's like, of course I'm going to go for the good one, which means, and this is this is a question mark right now, because I don't feel hopeless yet, but next week I might. You know, I think these things come in patterns. It might literally be physiological. It might be, you know, we each have a kind of up period, and then we need a down period, a kind of like conserving energy portion, which is probably healthy for our system. And when I go into the conserving energy portion, it can trigger hopelessness more easily, and then the embodied belief comes online. And what I hope to achieve when that happens is to look at the goals that no longer feel as exciting, but remind myself that they are the side of the hope-hopelessness polarity that I want to invest in. So even though I feel presumably at that time unmotivated and everything is kind of sapped of meaning and it's just sort of like heavy and unpleasant, I want to remind myself that it doesn't matter, it's not true, that is not an excuse for me to stop pursuing the goals that I agreed upon during hopefulness. So I'm curious to see how that will work. I'm sure it will be harder. I'm sure it will be more challenging to motivate myself when I am inherently feeling unmotivated. But now that I have this clarity about hopelessness and I've equalized it and kicked it off its throne of truthfulness, 
I think I will have a lot more ability to stay focused because hopeful AJ really hopes (laughs) that I get this course going. I think it would be fun. So I get the sense that this episode will need an update at some point. But, um, you know, ask me about my hopelessness. Think about your own hopelessness. Do you have some hopelessness? Do you have some of the helplessness that I talked about earlier? Do you have any of that patheticness? And, um, and now you know that I'm planning this course. So that adds a bit of accountability for me. It's like, okay, I really have to do it or I will feel the shame of having told everyone that I was going to do it and not actually following through. So that's a nice little shame motivator. 